Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, my love tribe. Welcome to Heartblend Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Christian, where I help others love and discover themselves to reach their highest potential. And today we have a very special guest speaker by the name of Fatima Oliver, and she is going to share with us an incredible, raw, real life story that really helped her to overcome her struggles in life. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Hello, I am here with Fatima Oliver, the author of The Prescription is in the Dirt, and she has just such an amazing story of overcoming hardships and different things and challenges that not, I I couldn't even imagine how she's gotten through the things she's gotten through. So I'm excited to hear what she has to say and welcome Fatima. Oh, thank you so much, Lindsay. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to share your platform. Yes, absolutely. So I just want to hear a little bit about how you got to the place you are now. But of course, I want to ask, you know, just how are you doing? How are you feeling today? I'm doing really good. Um, The kids are quiet, so that's wonderful. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) has their own journey through this pandemic situation. and, And so I actually have four boys. Three are in the house and then I have my husband. So it's all testosterone around this place. And and so sometimes wow. it can get a little rowdy, but um, don't feel bad for me. I'm still the queen. I still yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I can pull in when I really need to. But yeah, we're usually a pretty rambunctious household. So I'm very grateful that right now it's a little quiet. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know that you have a lot to share, so I'm just going to let you have the floor and just share a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Well, thank you. So um, again, thank you for having me. I would say that overall, um, I'm in my mid 40s. I just crossed over that 46 line. So it's definitely been a journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that what got me to a place where I was ready to to write um, to write about my story was a long. It took a long time of um, trying to get through a conditioning that had naturally happened growing up. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as a child, I grew up um, all boys. I was the only girl. I have I had five brothers. One passed away, but mm. I have five. Um, had five brothers. I was the only girl and um, lived in a single parent home. And so, it was really one of those situations where. Um, my mom, um, she really didn't have a lot of time for coddling. Mm-hmm. And so it really was um, um, not a lot of time for expressing your emotions or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so I really did grow up in a space where um, it really was survival type of um, situation. Um, stop crying. There's no time for that. There's no time to be mad. There's no time to be disappointed. Get your butt up and let's move on. And mm-hmm. that's really the nature of how my mom had to survive with um, it was actually three, um, four kids in the house. That's how she had to survive. And unfortunately that passed on to me. Mm. I grew up in a, um, at, at times an abusive household. Um, my mom lived, um, I think under a undercurrent of frustration. Mm-hmm. And so although I don't think that she meant 
to be overly aggressive, just like many parents who are single parents mm-hmm. um, and, and not getting support from the other um, the other parent, no child support, having to live on assistance and just all those type of factors and just the unfairness of the world. Mm-hmm. It just becomes an undercurrent of frustration. And I believe she mm-hmm. disciplined um, from that space. And um, after so long, the affection that we were so accustomed to getting kind of dwindled away. So we grew up in a very hard type of um, upbringing. And then um, her um, getting involved with um, overly aggressive people. Um, I've been um, physically abused. Me and my older brother were actually physical abused by a stepfather. Mm-hmm. And then there was a time where about in my, now they call it tweens, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> um, around, um, yeah, <laughs> a new term, but <laughs> around um, 11 years old, I experienced sexual abuse mm-hmm. from another stepfather. Mm-hmm. And so um, not having the um, the resources or the tools to be able to process any of those traumas that I, that I had encountered just by the age of 11, mm-hmm. um, you know, it definitely impacted me um, as a young adult, as, um, uh, you know, going into relationships, um, picking friends, um, and just in my natural life progression, as far as like feeling unworthy, feeling insecure, feeling intimidated by men, feeling unsure of myself, mm-hmm. um, feeling guarded and protective and very um, defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could go on and on, but but I definitely picked up those attributes negative attributes mm-hmm. um, because of my upbringing. And that's not even to mention the physical abuse that I um, experienced myself in my marriage. Mm-hmm. I was married uh, with my first husband for nine years, mm-hmm. um, a high school sweetheart. But um, I wound up trying so hard to run away from my life that mm-hmm. I ran into something just as turbulent. And um, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. with, with those type of um, external things that, that happened throughout my life, as well as losing a child, losing a brother, and um, and then having a child who has um, an immune deficiency, mm-hmm. it just made me spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it took a long time, I would say really until I was in my late 30s before I was able to realize that I was suffering from clinical depression, mm-hmm. because I'd already always felt sad. There mm-hmm. was nothing that I didn't I always felt sad from from as far back as I can remember. Mm-hmm. I always felt like there was a cloud of melancholy, of sad, sadness and sorrow that followed me everywhere I went. Mm-hmm. And so it was a natural way of life. So I didn't realize that that was not good, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that was not normal. I did not realize that until I was well off into my 30s and um, trying to have a healthy relationship with, with men um, that I realized that something was truly wrong with me. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I think so many people deal with that and they don't know how to articulate what's really going on. So I can see how just your story is just going to really help anybody that has gone through, you know, an ounce of what you've been through. And I think that it's just so powerful and amazing how, you know, you kept going because so many people will, would choose to not, you know, because they don't think anything is better on the other side or worth, you know, going to the other side or, or persevering. So I commend you for just taking those steps for your life. It seems like, yeah. You felt, even though you were sad, even though 
so many things have happened to you. There must have been something, maybe it was God, a light in you that you felt like there was something that was worth yeah. living for. Yeah. So it, it really, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, it really was just a natural way of life for me, but in the process of, of just getting older mm-hmm. and I'm um, seeking, you know, my own, um, spirituality, trying to figure out mm-hmm. what is it that I believed in. Um, I, I found God and honestly, mm-hmm. that was the central key to my livelihood. Although, if, uh, you know, I didn't know that, but I did know that no matter what I went through, he was my biggest confidant um, when growing up in such hostility or just um, and making bad choices. It wasn't just the upbringing, but it was taking those bad Um, you know, those behavioral, uh, bad Mm -hmm. behavioral situations um, and looking at them as normal Mm -hmm. and then bringing them into my own decision making. I thought Mm -hmm. that was normal, but it was all dysfunction and and basically crazy. But in the midst of all of that, I always internalized. I didn't Mm -hmm. really know how to speak up for myself. I never really learned how to speak up for myself. I wasn't in a a household or in an Mm -hmm. atmosphere where it was okay to speak up for yourself. So I internalized a lot. But Mm -hmm. once I found God, Mm -hmm. um, I spoke to him a lot internally, or he was like my closest friend. It was like my secret. And so whatever was going on with me, I confided in him. It was better than just seeming like I was talking to myself. I was just talking to God. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and so I really began to form a relationship with God, not based on um, necessarily religious practices, but understanding that mm-hmm. Just like any friendship, you have to build a relationship. You have to talk and you have to listen. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time in, in worship and in prayer during those most tumultuous times of my life. That's where I found myself um, going more and more um, to my knees and praying. Mm-hmm. And so in that time, although I did not see a miracle land in my lap, or anything like that. I truly didn't even think that God was even hearing me. I didn't think that I was worth being heard, mm-hmm. but, but it was just a natural thing of me to talk out my feelings. And in that talking to God, I centered on my feelings. When I would speak out, I would be speaking to God. So in that meditation period, that's really where I grew my strength from. I, I pulled my strength from and my courage to keep moving forward. And also I started to have children. And mm-hmm. so even in the midst of so much of the, just the lack of worth that I felt within myself, mm-hmm. I, I, somewhere down the line, I figured my kids kind of deserved a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely remember a time where Um, I stayed with my husband for my first husband for nine years. We were together 12 years. Like I said, he was my high school sweetheart. And I remember um, after leaving him, I had a lot of residue of bitterness in my heart because of how the relationship was Mm -hmm. and how that God never, I felt he didn't answer my prayer because I wanted him to fix my marriage, not pull me out of it. Mm. And, um, and so I had a lot of residue in my heart about why things wasn't going the way I wanted them to go in my head. Mm-hmm. And I began to kind of spiral out of control as far as feeling like my life isn't worth living. I have these kids, I'm raising them by myself. I have a nice boyfriend and he's a sweet guy, but you know, this is just not working out for me. I really think my family would be better off without me because I have so much pain and so much sorrow and so much anger and so much um, just uncertainty with a circle in mm-hmm. me right now. I don't know what to do with it all. 
And it was only because of the fact that I thought about how my children would miss me. Mm -hmm. It was only because of that thought that I did, that I decided um, to ask God for another another way. And Mm -hmm. and honestly, I had prayed the prayer plenty of times, like, (laughs) God help me. I feel like I'm losing my mind. God help me. Why aren't you listening to me? God help me. Just the same thing over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And on that specific day, when I kept thinking about running my car through an intersection Mm. and I just kept thinking about it and it became so vivid in my head um, of doing it. It was in that desperate moment where I heard him say, Fatima, go to the doctor. Mm. And I was like, the doctor? <laughs> like, I haven't oh, even I gone anywhere yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't think you hear me, guy. You don't hear me. I'm talking about slap me on the head with some anointing oil. I'm talking about let somebody pray over me and mm-hmm. do the Holy Ghost and all of that. And, <laughs> and, and then I'm just immediately healed because I know that you're a miracle worker. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. You're talking about going to the doctor and confess to somebody that I feel like I'm losing my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but I had to consider, you know, that how deep my thoughts were at that time and mm-hmm. how, how scary they were. And so it was because of that moment that I was able to humble myself. I strongly believe that help comes from humility. Mm-hmm. You first have to humble yourself to see that your way is not working. Mm-hmm. And in that instant, in that little bit of a space and time, I had humbled myself enough to hear God say, Fatima, your way isn't working. And in that moment, I was able to get up some courage and go and schedule a doctor appointment and actually walk into the building, keep the appointment and walk Mm -hmm. into the building and then actually sit in the room and open up my mouth and confess all these feelings that I were that I was having that were not good, good things. Mm -hmm. And um, and I was so grateful to be met with someone who could um, explain to me that I was suffering from clinical depression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. And just not um, not feeling that safe space as a child to express yourself and having so much built up, you know, that takes a lot of courage to do that when you probably were not in a position to feel comfortable to do that before. But I think it was at that pivotal point to to save your life. And I think that absolutely. is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at that time, I didn't realize, you know, it's always hindsight is yeah. 2020. And, and, and again, um, like I had stated earlier, I was conditioned to survive. Mm-hmm. So I've always had a survival instinct. Like that's just how I grew up. We grew up mm-hmm. in a, you know, in, in the hardest areas of our, of our city, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was all about survival. It was all about knowing how to have a poker face and knowing how to walk to the neck, to the store by yourself with the guys on the street and knowing how to not show fear and just knowing how to look tough, even though you're Mm -hmm. broke, breaking on the inside. So I grew Mm -hmm. up that way. And so I knew how to handle chaotic, crazy situations, maybe mm-hmm. not in the best way, but I learned how to diffuse situations or become codependent. Mm-hmm. I learned how to um, toughen things out or hide my feelings, um, but I never was taught how to process what I had just been through. And mm-hmm. so it was an accumulation of mm-hmm. all the things that I had been through 
um, from from a child all the way up to that moment in my mid thirties, where all those emotions and 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 suppressed stuff was trying to get my attention. I was grateful for being able to find out that I was um, struggling, um, the challenging um, anxiety and depression, but it still didn't fix me. It medicated mm-hmm. me, and so for about ten years, uh, over ten years, I was on medicine. I still take medicine, but, but I, I solely, I solely relied on medicine to help me Mm. cope. And so when I got on the medicine, I was so grateful because it helped me to think clearer. Mm -hmm. It helped me to not be so emotionally triggered so that Mm -hmm. when things would happen where you may get a little ticked off, I would be in the bed for days because I don't know how to cope with that situation that just happened emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and knowing that you still got to do life, (laughs) you still got to get up and go to work. You still got to get your kids to school. So I learned how to go back to that revert of masking myself and masking my feelings. But on the inside I was dying. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's only about, um, I would say a couple years ago, maybe two years at the most, I got to a place where the medicine wasn't doing enough. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I started having anxiety attacks five days out of seven. And I couldn't understand what was going on with me. I was taking my medicine. Um, you know, of, of course, life happens in between that time period of me getting on medicine in my 30s. And now I'm in my 40s. And, and you know, a lot has happened since then. I had a child who um, was born with um, sickle cell, inherited blood disease, sickle cell, and mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how to best care for him. And, um, you know, had another child and have gone through uh, marriage woes, ups and downs with my husband and and just a lot of different things that had that had happened. Um, I'm on, I was on a second marriage by then. I, great husband, feeling good about my family, but just never dealing with stuff. Mm-hmm. And so as that at that point, I was really feeling like I was truly spiraling out of control and um, to the point where I didn't recognize myself, to mm-hmm. the point where I couldn't get my emotions under control. Mm-hmm. Um, I was scaring myself. I, I I really thought I was losing my natural mind. And I was like, is this what happened when you turn 40? Like, is this a thing? <laughs> <laughs> is this normal? Or is this the 40 starter kid? Or <laughs> I'm trying to gauge it, but it's not going away. And so after, again, desperate pleas in my car, I'm praying to God and saying, I truly am scared that I'm losing my mind. I'm I'm afraid that I'm I'm not going to know who I am if I go to bed tomorrow and wake up, that I'm not going to recognize myself. Mm. And um, and by then I had a great support system of women um, who were like-minded and loved God like I did and were trying to grow in their faith like I was, who was able to come alongside me and support me. You mentioned a safe place to fall. They have mm-hmm. become my safe place to fall. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so because of that, they were able to speak the truth and love to me and say, mm-hmm. Fatima, I really think you need to go have some talk therapy. Mm-hmm. And if I would not have had those relationships already at play, I would have been offended. Mm-hmm. Like, what you trying to say? <laughs> like, what, you, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Right. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but because I had already had a rapport with these ladies, a trust level with these ladies, and knew that they only meant well for me and only meant good for me, and they had been there for me in other times in my life, and I had been able to be there for them. When they spoke that truth to me, I was mm-hmm. able to receive it. 
And so with that encouragement and that support, I was able to make an appointment just like I did when it was going to the doctor. I made an appointment Mm -hmm. to go sit on somebody's couch. And that's when I really started delving into, okay, we know that you're on medicine. We don't want you to get off of that. But what's really going on? Like what's causing you? Um, to to feel this way? What's causing all these emotions to come up? We may not be able to solve everything, but let's let's go a little a little deeper. And that's mm-hmm. when I really truly started um, discovering all the suppressed things from when mm-hmm. I was two when I was burned on twenty five percent of my body, mm-hmm. and um, and I learned I had to learn how to walk and talk all over again mm-hmm. from when my um, my stepfather abused me, sexually abused me, but then was allowed to come back into my home twice and live with us when I, when, mm. when I was still, um, in my mom's care. And, mm. um, when my brother passed away and just trying to cope with my best friend dying and, um, uh, when my daughter passed away and I didn't understand how God allowed that to happen mm. and, um, just all these different things. And with my son being diagnosed and I was like, God, you already know that I've had a pain from losing a child. And now you're going to allow my son to be diagnosed with the illness that could be terminal. Mm-hmm. Just all these things of emotion mm-hmm. that I had not dealt with. And, and even with my ex-husband um, being constantly intimidated by him whenever I knew that I had to be in his presence and I hadn't been married to him in years, but still that stuff that was still there. So we started with the counselor, the therapist help. I was able to start going a little deeper into those things to see that those issues or those events were still impacting me emotionally and, um, Mm -hmm. and with, with, with prayer, and with um, a, a program at my at my at my church called Celebrate Recovery, coupled with therapy, I was able to work through a lot of those things and and get to the other side enough to write a book. That's amazing. That is absolutely- that's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it a is lot. a lot. It's a very very full <laughs> story. <laughs> um, and you know, it's like um. Whew. It's just, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't even have a lot of words, um, but, you know, just having that theme of loss and just so much that you've been through, what could you say would be your, your greatest gain so far? Is it, is it kind of like have getting yourself back in a way you think um i know because i didn't know who i was to begin okay. with so i really feel like um if we if anything i guess it was a rebirthing but i'm mm-hmm. learning myself for the first time mm-hmm. and in the process of all these years god was slowly he does not waste pain and god is purpose driven whether we believe it or not oh, yes and even from me moving from i was born and raised in las vegas i did not live on the strip we lived we didn't live in the flashy places that you see on tv oh, of course not um, <laughs> but, um, but i grew up in vegas and about eight nine well, well, I guess 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I moved to um, to Charlotte, North Carolina. My oh, first nice. time ever relocating. <laughs> yeah, it's my first time ever moving away from home. And in that moment, I really began to figure out just kind of the, the um, surface level stuff of uh-huh. what Fatima likes. 
Um, I didn't have to be a certain role in my family. I was able to figure out who I, what the things I liked, just, I like to run and I uh -huh. like to do this and I like this and I like that. And I didn't have to take on the responsibility of a role in a family other than being a mom and a wife. Mm -hmm. And so that opened up the door for me to start exploring myself. God allowed that moment for me to begin to baby step myself into exploration of who I was. I wasn't on the deep stuff. Mm -hmm. This was just small things that would make me say, you know what? I'm not so bad. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't realize that about myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years later, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. Eight years later, we wound up moving to Ohio. So I'm in Ohio now. And, um, but through that process, I would say, number one, that God, he, he never wastes pain. And that was the biggest thing that I have learned through all of this is that there were things that have happened that I do not understand why. Why my, why, why my child had to pass away, had to die. And um, after I, I gave birth to her and she only lived five hours and why I had to suffer that. And then mm -hmm. when I leave out of the hospital, I see other, other women pregnant and smoking cigarettes outside the hospital. And I'm like, why do they get to keep their child? But I don't get mm -hmm. to keep mine. That anger and rage that I felt. Mm -hmm. I'm able to speak to somebody in that same position now because of that pain that I felt. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take away the pain that I felt, but it definitely gives me a purpose that I can have compassion for the woman that feels that same discontent, that mm -hmm. feels that same broken heart. And so God showed me in situations like that where I don't have a solid, valid, I can put it in writing type of purpose that I can say, here, see, there it is right there. I, I, did, I may not have gotten that, but I do understand that in everything, there's an opportunity to either use it as a platform for growth mm -hmm. or to say, you know what, this is just the way my life is supposed to be. So that was one of the major things that I learned. But I, I also going through this process as far as um, I say, get I, I call it soul healing, because mm -hmm. at the time I thought I was Mind, but I really think that he was trying to heal my soul. Mm -hmm. And so the soul healing journey that got me into writing the book and feeling free enough to tell my stories, there were some key things that I, I got out of everything that I did, out of the therapy, out of the celebrate recovery process, out of um, praying and just really seeking God and reading his word and just dedicating myself. Key things that I got out of all of that was that everybody, and you said it, everybody needs a safe place to fall. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs a place where they can be their ugliest, they can be their most broken, they can be their most vulnerable, and don't have to worry about when they feel better, somebody coming and bringing it back up again to use against them. Mm -hmm. Everybody deserves that space. And sometimes that won't be your family. Sometimes it is. But sometimes they won't be your family. There are things that I went through in my life that as much as my husband loves me, when I talk about it, he gets glossy eyed because he just don't understand. He's mm -hmm. never been through it. Right. So there's only so much that he can hold my hand um, and support me because some things he's just not going to be able to relate. And when you've gone through some stuff, sometimes you don't want to have to explain why that hurts you. You don't want to mm -hmm. have to connect every dot for that person right. to get the aha moment. There is nothing like having somebody who has a similar story mm -hmm. or somebody something so deep and gut wrenching that you don't have to explain everything. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a therapist. Sometimes yep. it's your girlfriend. Sometimes it's your father. But whoever that person is that you can be stinky and your house can be a mess and your hair <laughs> all over the place 
and they come in the house and help you clean and they'll sit there with you and put and help you take a bath and put you in the bed and pray with you. That's your safe place. Mm-hmm. I also learned that it uh, there's a there's a time where we all are held accountable for what we understand. We are all mm-hmm. held accountable for what we understand. And of course, I can definitely sit and say there were some moments in my life that I was a straight up victim. Mm-hmm. The things that happened to me were not my fault. Right. And I had to own the fact that it was not my fault. But to sit in a space of victimization, mm-hmm. meaning mentally saying, this is how my life is going to always be. It'll never get any better. So I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to go for my goals. I'm not even going to try to stand up for myself because my life has always been like this. People have always treated me this way. So what's the difference? I'm going to die this way. I'm not even going to put in any effort. That's a mm-hmm. disservice to yourself. And mm-hmm. we, the self-victimization mindset, it leads you nowhere. And I had to learn that. I had to learn um, the steps of releasing that self-victimization from my life. I had to look at every situation that still riled me up when I thought about it, look at it for what it was and face that hard truth and say, who was a person that hurt you? Mm-hmm. How did they hurt you? What did it feel like when they hurt you? What was those emotions that you felt, Fatima? How did it damage you? Meaning, how have you carried that throughout your entire life to where you got a wall up or now you asleep with anybody or not because you're seeking out love mm-hmm. or you don't want no man because all men are dogs? Like, how mm-hmm. has it damaged you? What has happened? You don't trust people now because you told somebody something and they betrayed your trust. How has it damaged you throughout your life? And was it your fault? Yes or no? Well, if it wasn't your fault, you got to let it go and give Mm -hmm. it to that person. If it Mm -hmm. was your fault, what would you have done differently if you could do it again? Mm -hmm. And then moving forward, how are you going to change that? I worked those steps in, in, in every situation that God allowed to come to my mind that was still causing me suppressed feelings that was still um, adding to my anxiety. I worked mm-hmm. those specific steps in every single situation. And so that I could no longer be a victim of my circumstances, but participate in my healing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's critical. And then lastly, what I'll say, because I am a talker and I talk forever, what I will say <laughs> lastly. Okay. What I will say lastly, I'll say lastly is that it's okay to not be okay. We've been hearing that a lot, especially during the pandemic mm-hmm. and a lot of people talking about mental health and mental awareness. Mm-hmm. It truly is okay to be able to express that you are not okay. But it isn't okay to remain there. Mm-hmm. You're doing a disservice to yourself. You're doing a disservice to your future self. To me, because of what I believe, you're doing a, a disservice to who God wants you to be, who he believes yes. you are. And so mm-hmm. there just has to be a time in your life if you truly want to discover or or peel back the layers. I say like an onion, mm-hmm. peel back the layers of an onion because there are a lot of tears that can come from it. Mm-hmm. But you want to peel back those layers on your life or situations that have occurred and see what's the core of it. Mm-hmm. You got to be willing to at least do those three things. You got to be, I think those, I call those my baby steps. There were some others, but those are like the key baby steps that I took in my approach to this process. And I really... Mm-hmm. Um, stay dedicated to those steps um, and feeling unashamed of my story, working mm-hmm. towards feeling unashamed to my story. 
And mm-hmm. it really made a dynamic difference in my life to the point where I am talking to you now. Mm-hmm. When I was in my car crying and put over on the side of the road and snotting in my car because I didn't know what was wrong with me. Now, this was just about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was in my car and I said, God, I don't understand what's wrong with me. I don't know how to fix myself. I'm a fixer. Usually I, I know the, 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 you know, I know the, the, the what to do. Mm-hmm. And now I don't know what to do. My A personality was flipping out. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I'm like, God, what, what do I do? I never in a million years thought that I would be on the other side with a book speaking about my life so freely mm-hmm. and being able to go and, and speak to people globally about my journey mm-hmm. when I was snotting in my car, crying, crocodile tears, saying, God, help me. Mm-hmm. God never wastes hope. There's always a purpose, but, but we have to participate in our own healing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You, you got to take, I like to look at my relationship with God as almost like a 401k, (laughs) like you got to contribute some to it and he'll match you more than you can expect, but you do have to contribute. You have to put in the effort to show that you feel like it's worth it. That's how relationships are. You have to have the other person to show, you know what, I want this, it's worth it. And I'm going to put in my time and effort and what I can do to my very best to put my side in. So you're absolutely right with that. You've got to become present in your own life. And I went through the same thing where I kept focusing on other people. What are other people doing to me? Why are they treating me? Why, why, why? When I had to sit back and like you said, just see your part in it. And what could you have done better? What would you have wanted for yourself? And Become intentional about your life and um, just accept what you feel you're really worth or healing what you need to feel, you know, to make you feel worthy of where you want to be. Absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, um, you know, there are um, people out in the world that aren't in that space and we Mm -hmm. have to be able to um, respect that too. Yes. I, you know, I, I really think there's a respect that comes with that too, because we mm-hmm. all, I mean, I think about how, how much work it took for me to be able to get to where I am. I mm-hmm. think about the change that my family had to accept because as I changed, they had to accept the change. Mm-hmm. And I think about all that work and then now imagine somebody else having to go through it. So there mm-hmm. has to be a certain level of respect for somebody else's story that they're not ready to tell. Mm-hmm. And if they're not ready to embrace mm-hmm. their fault in the situation, I think there has to be a certain level of understanding that goes with that too. However, um, separate the two. Mm-hmm. So I have to able to accept the part that I played and then the parts that I did not play mm-hmm. and put the put the error in the in the place where where it belonged and not take on somebody else's cross to bear mm-hmm. it was there were certain things that was not my cross to bear it was not my fault that my stepfather touched me in inappropriate ways that mm-hmm. was not my fault there was nothing that I could have done that made him enticed enough to yeah. do that No one that tried to make me feel that way throughout the remainder of my life 
was right. They were wrong to make me feel that I could have attracted that type of attention. Mm -hmm. It was not my fault that my father decided that he didn't want to be a part of my life. He has his own story on why he made those decisions, but Mm -hmm. it was not my fault. Mm -hmm. And so my story is my story. I have the right to tell my story, but I also have the right to say, that's your mess. And this is my mess. And so, you know, so that was one of the things that I definitely had to embrace also, especially when I was working through a place where I, um, it came to a place of do, am I going to choose to forgive? Because Mm -hmm. a part of healing is, um, a forgiveness is also a part of that healing process. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had a lot of, I would say self-righteous anger, mm-hmm. not righteous anger because you're rightfully you're, you're you have a right to be anger, angry. I feel like it was self-righteous anger. Like I have a right to be angry. And how dare you do that to me? And how dare you again? And God, I got mm-hmm. this. Um, you don't have to tell me to forgive them because I don't think that they deserve the forgiveness mm-hmm. and they are going to be in my debt for the rest of their life for how they did, how they did me. Now, God, mm-hmm. you forgive me for everything that I did to other people, but I will not. <laughs> what they did. And so I was living in that space too. Mm-hmm. And so I learned also that there are some relationships that are worth having the uncomfortable conversation of what happened, why it happened, um, or exploring why it happened and giving that opportunity um, to resolve it. There are mm-hmm. certain certain people in your life that deserve that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to, I think it's up to you and God to determine who those people are. But I definitely believe that um, self-righteous anger of just holding on things forever, it, it doesn't hold the person in prison. It holds yourself imprisoned. Yes. And I, that was tough. And I had to, to learn to do that. And a part of that, I would say, is not expressing not um, condoning what the person did, not excusing what they did, because mm-hmm. there were instances where there just was no excuse for it mm-hmm. and not um, pretending that the feelings that I felt are not valid in order mm-hmm. to um, forgive them, but accepting all that it was for what it was, but then releasing it and mm-hmm. saying that did happen. But now I'm releasing the control that it has over my life mm-hmm. and I'm releasing that person from the control that they had over my life. Mm-hmm. And in that, I can move on with my life. I think to that degree, um, forgiveness has a lot to do with or releasing has a lot to do with forgiveness. I believe it goes hand in hand. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that I also had to learn was that as you continue to heal uh, within yourself and continue to focus on your self-worth and value yourself, you are, you become quicker to forgive because you know that you are not worthy of taking on that pain continuously from others, you know? So I think that's what, where, where I got to that place where I'm like, you know what? I don't need to keep putting myself through this. Like that's their problem. You know, sometimes we take a lot of things personally because we're in our own perception and everything is personal in our minds. But sometimes, you know, people have their own situations that, you know, and sometimes you just get caught up in their mess. They're, they've got their own mess going on and you just, you know, it's the wrong place, yes. wrong time. And then you get hurt and then it gets, and then you pass on the hurt and then it is, ah, 
So you got to like yeah. stop the cycle, you know, and just kind of take yourself yeah. back a little bit. But I understand, you know, I think that's for a lot of people don't really know what forgiveness means. Mm-hmm. So God is continuing to show me. I mean, I'm definitely not um, someone yeah. who knows everything for sure. This is just my personal experience and I'm so grateful to be able to share it. And, and, you know, my, my book, um, is called the prescription is in the dirt and it definitely, um, it depicts that. So the reason why I named it, the prescription is in the dirt is because I feel that's where my healing came from. My healing came from digging up Mm -hmm. all that dirt that I had not dealt with either subconsciously or consciously. Mm -hmm. I just didn't even realize it was there. It was such a way of living that I didn't even realize Mm -hmm. I had stuff to work Mm -hmm. through, but all that was dirt. And if we're not careful and we don't deal with those things, unfortunately it can bury us alive. And before we, know we are truly Mm -hmm. dead on the inside and nobody can approach us we Mm -hmm. have a defensive disposition we're angry all the time I mean I was I Mm -hmm. I really was living that way you know and and it's and unfortunately there are things that I can never take back I would be angry and I throw a chair you know and at my child and it's Mm -hmm. like now that I think about those things I'm just like I was so out of line Mm -hmm. on so many levels and, and in the process of healing myself I had to go back and make amends with my oldest son and ask him to forgive me for the way that I was Mm -hmm. when I was so broken. You know, I had to ask Mm -hmm. him, you know, and explain to him that, you know, try to at least help him to understand where I was mentally and emotionally. Um, But Mm -hmm. still that he still experienced some roughness from me um, when I was at my worst and I Mm -hmm. had to make that right. And so, um, you know, it's, it's just the, the prescription is in the dirt. It talks about all that. And I really try to be just as honest as I'm being now. I really try to bring that to um, the book because I want people to understand that I'm just a regular chick, just like anybody else. And, um, and I, I wish that I saw my story as amazing. I wish that I experienced it like, like you experienced it, Lindsay. But for me, it was just mm-hmm. my life. You know, and there are so many other people that it's just their life. You know, it's nothing special. That's just what they've they've been able to get through. But I also want them to know Mm -hmm. that just because you're able to get through it don't mean it's okay. And just because you're able to walk through it, it doesn't mean that that's fine. And and God wants us to Mm -hmm. be whole. He cannot use us in the fullness that he wants to, meaning give us awesome opportunities certain platforms. Mm-hmm. We're praying for success. We're praying for platforms. He can't fully give us those if we're still broken in some areas where we'll need that. We'll need to be holding that space in mm-hmm. our life. He can't use us fully. So mm-hmm. we have to fix ourselves. And I'm just so grateful that that he allowed me to understand that. So now when I see things mm-hmm. that I notice about myself and I'm like, Fatima, why does that make you so mad? Now I'm like, okay, God, show me. It's like show and tell. In the beginning, I was just like, I don't want to yeah. see it. And I was scared to see it because I didn't know how it would make me feel and if I could handle the truth of who I had become. But, but but I can mm-hmm. I see that it's not so bad that God is with me. He was holding my hand through everything he showed me. He was holding my hand. And so he forgave mm-hmm. me for it all. He was just revealing it to me. And so um, once I was able mm-hmm. to get through um, a, a, a couple of those moments of feeling kind of shame, but not kind of 
condemnation, mm-hmm. but just feeling um, like, God, forgive me. And I want to, I want to live my life better. I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to do that again. And, and once I got to understand that he just wants to show me myself so I can be better. Now I'm like, bring it on. Show me something mm-hmm. else. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that, that to me is what's powerful. Yeah. You know, I mean, Everybody has a story. Everybody's been through hardships. And if they haven't gone through hardships yet, they'll probably experience them later in life, whatever. It doesn't matter. But the fact that, you know, you can still take that all, you know, utilize your free will in a positive way to have just to take ownership like that. I've I've always, you know just been so happy to see people take those steps. And that's what I think is, is powerful because a lot of people don't do that yeah. and they're not honest. They're not transparent. And then you think something like you did something wrong when they just, they're not ready to face themselves yet. And you, you're, you're doing that. And I think that that's, that is truly powerful well, to me. Thank you so much. And, and I, and you know, it's important, I think Absolutely. to state is that when you do reach those people that um, they kind of deflect because they're not ready to face themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's important to mm-hmm. understand back to what we were saying as far as respect where they are. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have to love people from across the street. Like yes. Sometimes <laughs> you have to say, I, I, yes. I love you, but I can't allow that spirit or that presence or that denial mm-hmm. in my life because that's not going to help me to heal Yes, because I'm ready to face it and you're not ready to face it. Yes. So I love you. That has not changed, mm-hmm. but I have to make a decision. It's either going to be my loyalty to where you are or my loyalty to me, yes. my peace. Yes. And, um, and that was hard because I had to make a decision like that with, with um, family mm-hmm. members, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it was sad for me that, that I was in that spot, but, um, and I couldn't have it both ways. I had to have the reality that um, Fatima, you can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. You can't speak your truth and, and then manipulate somebody to be in where you are. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I I had to accept that too. Not every time that when you're ready to be your truest self and explore all these things that you want removed from your life and you want to be a better person and you're going on this soul healing, Mm -hmm. is everybody going to be clapping for you? Mm -hmm. Some people are going to talk about you. Some people are going to be like, oh, you changing and that's not good. Mm -hmm. And, um, that unfortunately, sometimes that comes with it. You're not going to always have people clapping for mm-hmm. you. And you have to be okay with that and understand that as long as God is proud of you, truly, and as long as you know mm-hmm. who your support system is, then you have to be like Nehemiah, where he kept some things close to the vest and he went to build the wall to help his people. Mm-hmm. And he told only so many people. He told his king he was a cupbearer and he said, This is what I need to do for my people. Mm-hmm. And this is what this is what God is God is telling me to do. And I'm gonna walk by faith and do it. But he couldn't tell everybody. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's that's what you have to do in your walk to heal in yourself. Mm-hmm. Everybody can't go with you. And everybody doesn't you can't tell everybody that journey because not everybody's gonna be proud of you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And the most important thing you could do is just stay true to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, oh man, I really did love this conversation and your story. I know people reach out to you. I'm sure you've gotten that. 
It's been, um, you know what? It's it was everything has been new for me. So um, when when I wrote, okay when I wrote the story, I mean when I wrote my book, it really started as a just a testimony of um, I was encouraged to write where I where I've been. Um, what I've gone through mm-hmm. and me on the other side. And then from there, God opened up the door for me to write a book. And then from there, God opened up the door for it to be published. <laughs> and, yes. and and now it's like um, people are reaching out and sharing their stories. And it's been, um, it's really been awestruck and amazing to hear my story inspiring other people to, to um, as a seed in their life, to move forward with mm-hmm. their soul journey, to heal themselves. And, and, mm-hmm. and being able to hear people say, I'm so glad you shared that about your daughter, or I'm so glad you shared that about um, your son and his illness or the abuse or your daddy issues. I'm glad that you shared that in the book because it made me feel that I wasn't alone. And we all know theoretically mm-hmm. that we're not alone, but sometimes you right. feel so alone. And so yes. yeah, being able to hear that come back to me, it's just been it's it's been priceless it's hard to contain it it's like i just want to bottle it up and just put a top on it and just take it with me. <laughs> like it's just like such an amazing experience to say that i'm just a girl from vegas from the hood and who didn't mm-hmm. who didn't have a dream like who didn't think mm-hmm. that i could dream and god mm-hmm. has brought me such a long way and now um I'm not afraid to share my story, no matter how many people it may ruffle feathers with. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel the freedom to share my story and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited that God, what God is doing and he's blessing me to be able to see the fruits of it. It's, it's, it's tremendously awesome. Oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And how can anybody, you know, find out more about your book or reach out to you? Well, the book right now, again, is called The Prescription is in the Dirt. And I would be so Mm -hmm. grateful if if um, your listeners um, supported me and and purchased a copy. You can get it on Amazon. It's in Mm -hmm. um, digital form, an ebook. If you like ebook reading, Mm -hmm. I'm a I'm a I'm a binder book girl. So I need the physical book. But Mm -hmm. you can also get it in paperback. And again, it's on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. I, I found out a lot of people like okay. that as, as fast as technology is going, people still like the book. So yeah, yep, it's, yep. yeah, it's in paperback and ebook on amazon.com. I also have a website and it is um, www.fatimac.com. The C is for my middle initial. I will not tell you what it stands for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but for, uh, fatimac.com, if you just put it in fatimac.com, it'll give you um, okay. um, you can see podcasts that I've other um, podcasts I've been on and, and just talking, but it also gives this op- opportunity, Lindsay, that it's new where I, I, we talked about everybody needing a place to fall, a safe place to fall. And I offer a service that you can sign up on my calendar. If you just need to vent, if you just need to get some things out and you have not figured out who your safe place is, you can schedule some time with me. I'll give you 20, mm-hmm. 15, 20 minutes. And you can just speak and I will listen. Of course, there are some barriers. I ain't dealing with all that cussing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you can definitely come, can definitely come and, um, and really just speak what's on your heart. And I'm just going to be that safe place for you in that 20 minutes to, talk, to, to listen to you and not offer any input. It's a girlfriend code. What, mm-hmm. what we talk about there stays there. And I'm excited about that. But also... You, it, it, there's a link there for my book. And as far as um, social media, I'm on Facebook, Fatima Oliver. 
Instagram, Fatima Oliver, um, 1975, and even on LinkedIn, Fatima Oliver. So there's all sorts of ways to, to reach out to me. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and speaking today. I want to let you enjoy your Monday and thank you so much for just tuning in with us. (laughs) Yes, my pleasure. It was awesome. Thank you again. And I really hope to speak to you again in the future. Absolutely. Take care. Okay. Thank you. All right, Love Tribe. Thank you so much for tuning in. And what did you think of Fatima's story? I thought it was absolutely powerful. I know you heard me say it so many times, but that's about the best word that I can find to describe it, just to see that even through times of weakness, God steps in to bring in the strength. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and definitely share your feedback on what you thought and follow me on Instagram at I am Lindsay Christian and be sure to follow and subscribe to Heartland Podcast. Have a wonderful rest of your day.